This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello and welcome to another episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Falco Kurler, who is the Customer Experience Director at Lyrico Germany. And Falco was also the winner of the Young Professional of the Year Prize at this year's European Office Products Award. So congratulations on that, Falco. Good to see you this morning and hope you are well. And thank you for taking part in this episode of OPI Talk. Hello, Andy. Yes, <laughs> super nice of you. Thank you. Um, I'm very glad to be here and uh, super glad to do this podcast episode with you. Um, I will do my best uh, to answer all the questions you have and uh, give a good time to the audience. Okay, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I think it's a very important topic talking about uh, younger generations in um, our industry, and I'm saying that in inverted commas, uh, the word industry. Uh, just just to start with, with, with Falco, a, a brief personal introduction. For example, I, I believe you were a, a professional cyclist a, a few years ago. That's got an interesting move into, into the business products world from that. That's very true. Um, been a professional cyclist, started cycling when I was like seven years old, uh, went through all the career and uh, finally stopped cycling in 2012. Um, did something real, my mother would say. <laughs> went to university and started industrial engineering. Um, based in Germany, as you said, 31 years old and uh, finally arrived in Lyrico in 2016. And uh, here we are. Okay, tell us a little bit about what you do at Lyrico. So, as I said, I, I joined the company in 2016. Mm. Uh, Lyrico is uh, my, my first employer. Um, since then, um, I, I ran through four major roads. So, started um, as a commercial data analyst, um, then went through uh, digital transformation management in Germany, um, being responsible for the development of our strategy our 2026 strategy in Germany and also with some responsibilities on global scale. And since last year, being responsible as customer experience director in Germany, building up an entirely new organization. Okay, that's interesting. Tell us something about customer experience. What, what does that mean exactly to you? And you know, what changes have you, have you brought in? What, what, what needed doing and how has the customer experience, in your opinion, how, how has that improved? So, so I can maybe refer a bit to the structure of the organization I'm, I'm trying to build and the responsibility of this organization, because it will indicate a little bit of what we have in mind doing a recur. So if you would ask me, I would always say that um, the customer experience organization I'm, I'm proud and glad to lead is, uh, is composed out of three, three important elements. So very German. I'm always talking about three elements here, two <laughs> elements here. So <laughs> it's, it's three elements. And the first one I call customer experience management. And this is to, to generate customer and market insights, um, helping us to understand what specific parts of the market and specific core target groups might need from, from a retailer or a vendor like Lorico, what kind of customer journey they, they would like to see, um, would like to, would, would appreciate finally, and obviously, grant success to Lorico. And we're um, gathering all the operational departments, finally being responsible to deliver this customer experience because we are non-operational, right? We are a team of, of um, interface managers. Uh, I like to call it ambassadors to, to mm -hmm. some respect. And we are bringing together those people. 
Um, we're identifying together with them the relevant target groups for Lorico that fit with our, with, with our strategy and, and what we can deliver, but finally also define together with the departments of what needs to change, what kind of projects we need to run in order to deliver what we call the target customer journey. So, and this is the first responsibility. And as you can see here, that's one of the major changes we are trying to to realize in, in Lurico, we're trying to move the company to transform the company from what I call a mass market B2B provider with not too specific customer profiling, beginning at the early stage of the customer lifecycle and customer journey, moving to a company that's more core target group specific, being specialized on core target groups within the market, finally delivering extraordinary customer experience to those customers we, we would like to, to be successful with. Okay, so more customer segmentation, perhaps creating personas within that your customer groups that you can target with specific offers. That's exactly what we are trying to do. And it's deeply linked and anchored within our strategy. Um, as you all know, we, we get uh, a lot of um, other competitors, um, different profiles of retailers and vendors. Um, we think that one of the most important part for every vendor is that we need a sharp profile. And this is requiring also to be specific in terms of customer target groups, because um, not all the customers are requiring the same level of service, the same range of products, and so on and so forth. So that's pillar number one. Um, pillar number two is what I call transformation management. I mean, I explained a little bit that we are really trying to work together with the operational departments. And for them to run those projects, to change their processes, their mechanisms is massive transformation. And we are calling the second pillar transformation management because we are helping to build ecosystems, for example, around project management. So we changed completely how we operate and run projects in Oracle. And uh, our organization was helping to build a rough ecosystem, like with some project management standards, um, uh, proper project pipeline management and all this kind of stuff. Um, teaching people within the organization what is important with regard to project management, how to take over projects, um, and so on and so forth. And that's just one example. We do this for project management, but also for innovation management, for continuous improvement, so continuous improvement processes, and also for change management. So this is really supporting the transformation of the operational teams in the organization so that it's not like a Another silo you build and everything new and fancy is happening in the customer experience organization, but it's quite the opposite. We are helping the other ones to, to develop what I call self-development capacity, right? We want the operational teams to be more capable in developing themselves with regard to new stuff, changes within their process infrastructure, also within uh, changes within their organization and their responsibilities within the teams. So this is what we try to, to support. Okay, interesting. That's pillar number two. Mm. And pillar number three is, uh, my colleagues would probably say is uh, building all the new and fancy stuff nobody else knows about. <laughs> I call it capacity <laughs> development. We know that with regard to our strategy, we um, need to improve in some fields of competency. Might it be data science? Might it be e-commerce mechanisms? Might it be digital marketing? And we are trying to, to seed those new competence fields within the customer experience organization, but not with the goal to maintain it within the customer experience organization, but to bring those competencies to the other departments as well. Now, I can give you an example. Um, part of the organization is um, business intelligence and data science specialist. 
So this is something where we truly see advantages for the operational departments becoming more data-driven, use the information we might have in our systems regarding our customers to, to drive their business decisions. Um, and they might be silo-referred, might be in supply chain, might be in procurement. And we are um, having the experts in the customer experience organization first, but finally delivering and transferring the knowledge and building up new resources also in the other departments to build up this capacity across the entire organization. Okay, good. So, so, sounds interesting. It sounds like there's a, a strong digital component, uh, digitization of processes and, and those kind of things involved. That's true. Um, I would say it's, it's not just that there's always the mix between culture and this part. <laughs> so it needs to be both. Yeah. Okay. Going back to when when you joined Lyrica, what what attracted you to the company in the first place? That's something we hear about a lot now. Why why people are attracted to join certain companies? I mean, certainly that's something we've heard about in in, in the recent times with with the COVID and everything, and the you know the Great Resignation, if we could, we could call it that, and things. So you know, so what was the what was the thing that attracted you to to Lyrico? I I think that's a really good question. If I if I remembered correctly. I, I was looking for um, just a fitting project to my, my talents. And in the end, I joined the company because um, the project uh, they were searching somebody for was really, really interesting. So I started in supply chain and it was just a, a, a strong project. But when I had the first interview together with the managers from supply chain, it was like super much on eye level, very warm welcome. And I said, okay, that's a good combination, right? It's the right people and it's it's a good project. So I started mm. and that was still during my, during my bachelor thesis. And that what finally, I would say, caught me is that during this time, um, I was given the opportunity to point at the things that are maybe not going right. And people listened to my concept of, of solving it. And mm. I think that was really much for, for my personality, the exact right thing to do mm. because I was looking for, for challenges and people listened to what I said. And I think that's, that's something you can, you can transfer to all over the employer market um, that there's a lot of young people looking for exactly this uh, opportunities okay. where they can really try out. And yeah, that, that's how I, how I got in and yeah. I stayed ever since <laughs> okay, so you're still there so they you know they must be doing something right in, in terms of in terms of that for for you but uh what what did you know let, let, and let's call it the business products industry for the time being and we might not be calling that by the end of this this chat but so what, what did you know about business supplies or obvious products or business products uh before you joined lyrico I have to say, I, I never heard it before I never heard of lyrico even they were very close to my hometown um <laughs> And it was more like I, I was really stumbling into this, right? So, and uh, after six years, and we will come back to this in our talk, I'm very sure after six years, I'm, I'm still struggling to, to, to understand how we can see this as, as, as a separate industry. So I never heard of it uh, and still uh, not seeing it as a business products industry. Okay. So what would you call it? Or would you even deny there's an industry at all? So, so, so I think there is an industry, but um, maybe I'm a little bit in, 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 in the retailer silo here. Why? Um, if you would ask me, I think from a manufacturer point of view, it makes a lot of sense to call it business supplies industry. So, so that for me is, yes, I, I do understand it. From a retailer point of view, to be straight here, I think it's a death sentence to call it like this, and we will come back to customer focus. 
I, I still don't see, and with all the talks I had in the, in the past six years and all the data I've seen, I, I still don't see a good indication that a customer would, would ever say, I need a new pencil, I need a new chair, I need, a, I don't know, a, a box of paper towels. I need to go to a business product specialist. So, so because they don't see it like this. And I, I think that's also something we will come back to, to later. Um, I think we need to find, especially from a retailer point of view or reseller or vendor point of view, we need to find a term that is merging or blending what we offer with how a customer would talk about it. Mm. And if you would ask me what we do uh, at Lyrical, we're currently building two big strategic pillars. And one we call becoming um, an expert, a B2B expert, an omni-channel B2B expert for the office workplace environment. And I think that's something you can talk about with your customers, right? Do mm. you have issues? Do you need solutions? Do you need products for what you have in your office workplace environment? Mm. And on the other side, we talk about employee health and safety. You might know that Lorico was uh, and is still um, really much focused on the PPE environment when yeah. it comes to products. Yeah. And we call this the employee health and safety environment because companies and customers might have questions, problems, issues, need services around this topic. I mean, that's interesting, I think, from the, from the customer perspective. So if, if you flip things on your head and you were a customer... What what do you think you would be looking for? A, a service provider that can help your business run more efficiently and smoothly, something along those lines. I I think that's 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 definitely uh, one topic you could do. I think um, it would be excellent to be able to merge it with current current scenarios in the business world. So what we, for example, see is that probably a lot of companies over the next years were looking for new concepts, how to use their workspace, right? So flex working has become a super big topic during the pandemics. I think a lot of companies will start thinking about now, what will be their flex working policy in future? What do we do with our office facilities and this kind of stuff? Hmm. And they will not have all the answers. So if you find a sweet spot in this environment and, and you say, hey, I am specialized in transforming your office work and, and office workplace environment, you will probably find customers looking in this environment for solutions and you could help them to maybe arrange like new facilities, structure them. Mm. Um, obviously, you still have companies who are looking for better process efficiency or um, improving, improving range of, of products and services when it comes to supply and support the, the building of home offices and this kind of stuff. Mm. So that's just two examples, which are very much referring to the, to the pandemics. You will have some industries which almost did not change through the pandemics. You will find this as well. And this is where it's important, I think, to define the right core target groups. Ideally, they have something in common so that you don't need to investigate from scratch and put everything from scratch again. Mm. So you, you have to find some patterns within your core target groups, and then you specialize in the environments where the customers need support. And my recommendation here for the retailers is never have the product as a standalone, because the product as a standalone in this environment, I think for most customers is just another commodity. And I think we, we see this in the data around our industry. Um, that's why marketplaces are grown super fast because they do exactly this. They add the products just as a commodity and they offer it within their full range. And for the customers, it's just the next product to buy. So for retailers like Rueco, we need to have a, a sharp profile in this environment, I think. 
it's not be another e-commerce provider, definitely, and you all know this about um, Lyrical. It's about really offering solutions to customers who need solutions combined with the products mm. that the industry can yeah. offer. Yeah. Okay. And obviously with Lyrico, especially at the moment, I think a strong sustainability message uh, wrapped around that. I think sustainability is going to be a, a big topic going forward, isn't it? It's a very big topic for Lyrico. We are um, investigating in so many dimensions how we can accelerate in this environment. This goes to um, our traditional business, what, what we call the legacy of, of Lyrico. Mm. So we are really looking how we can transform this into more sustainable might this be internal perspective yeah so uh improving our processes um generating less co2 um mm. but also taking the the external perspective and looking for yeah. other partnerships with manufacturers mm. who can deliver um more sustainable products looking for customers who are interested in sustainability is still also expensive to a certain degree who are driving their own uh, sustainability strategies and also improving external value chains yeah. um, while at the same time also investigating for completely new models um, you all know that uh, um, Lurico is also looking for opportunities to build a platform for sustainable products so uh, this is also something where we really um, see where we can build new revenue streams and new business opportunities yeah sure and hopefully I'll be speaking to someone about that uh, very shortly okay great now I just wanted to go back to when you picked up the EOPA award in Amsterdam in March. And you said at the time, we need to push a dusty industry into the digital era. Tell, tell me what you meant when you said that. Uh, I think everybody's expecting me to talk about now digital processes, data science and all this kind of stuff. And yes, I could talk about it for quite a while. I, I think it's really important to highlight that it's more so the digital era, era to me is much more than just digitize your processes. I think culture, especially management culture, is something I, I should talk about and I, I must talk about it. So what I observed, not just in this industry, but also talking to uh, family and friends in completely other environments, is that they can really see um, management culture changing um, without the managers necessarily knowing in which direction they need to go. And I think an observation I made in, in my career over the past years is that it's really a challenge to move from what I call rather operational management, right? Managing people within specific tasks and doing a bit of micromanagement. Um, the management culture in a digital era definitely needs to evolve something that is rather responsibility and goal-driven. And I think a lot of companies are really, and this industry, um, I think too, is really struggling to define long-term goals, um, giving the stability um, in an ever-changing environment. So I think 20 years ago, companies were really stable in their process framework and in their ecosystem, and they didn't need to change too quick and too massively. They, they always developed for sure, mm. but I think the, the complexity and the speed was on a complete different level, on a lower level. So now we have so many challenges and you cannot micromanage so many challenges. You cannot have a bucket list of 200 things you need to change and 200 projects running. Mm -hmm. You need to share the responsibility. And this mm -hmm. is requiring that you're having um, people in your company given the responsibility to do this, 
but also given a, a clear target picture. And to me, the key to this is solid company strategy. And I think that's something that is maybe highlighting a bit what I mean with pushing this industry into the digital area. It's defining strategies that are obviously um, applying or utilizing digital mechanisms. And then we can talk about digital processes and data science and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> we don't have we don't to, have to. <laughs> but, but definitely um, <laughs> highlighting, okay, where do we want to be in four, five years? Um, and I think what makes a good strategy, I, I think you might ask this question, what makes, what, what makes a good strategy for me is, it's very easy. In the end, you need to define long-term goals and they need to be sharp enough so that everybody can recognize the rough shape of what it should be in the end, but it's still given enough freedom to surround obstacles and react to ad hoc scenarios. So it cannot be the borders on the left and the right side, which are building your strategy, cannot be too dense so that everybody feels forced to do exactly this or that, um, but it needs to be wide enough so that everybody knows, okay, in which directions do I need to sail and how can I contribute to deliver it? Mm, okay, good. Now, I, I sent you a little list of, of some of the things where our industry needs to change or needs to evolve and this could be processes and technology and customer experience all, all those kind of things if you could choose you know, two or three of those what would be the the main ones i think outside in approach is number one so i don't know if this is true for all the industry but i see that partnerships are not really lived right there's no real culture of partnerships there's needed partnerships due to business relationship, but I very rarely see real partnerships where, where, where companies and people are really working together, going for the same goals, really trying to deliver a target together. Might it be a technical project or, or, or not? And I think this outside-in approach, getting, let's say, other opinions, getting knowledge from outside, bringing it to your own company, combining it with your own goals, that's something where we can really improve. And uh, if you ask me, I don't have a golden receipt of how this might work. I think that's very company and culture specific <laughs> and needs to be driven by, the, I think, mm. firstly, by the people being responsible to establish those partnerships because they need to want this, right? So, so this, is, this is number one. And the second one, I think is, and I'm again, not talking about data. I, I, I could, but um, I, I will talk about what I just mentioned. <laughs> Resist, resist, resist that temptation, Falco. <laughs> Trying try my best. <laughs> Trying try my best. Um, I, I, I think the, the second one is um, going for diversity. Because if you if you are willing to go this past via digital processes and data, I think for for most companies it's a black box, right? Everybody knows a little bit about it, has some superficial knowledge. Managers have the sense, okay. We might need to improve of this environment be, because we need, we need to be more cost efficient or because we are too slow or the quality in our processes is bad or we can improve our business decisions. So everybody has a sense on how, how to get that. This is all important. And I think the key to this is go for diversity. So acquire people you don't understand. Um, get talents which are talking about stuff where you just say, oh, oh, oh dear, I, I have no clue what this person is, is talking about. <laughs> Um, but I think if if people are brave enough to to listen to those people, to be able to give them clear goals, they will help the companies like like crazy. Um, 
I think it's a challenge to do this because it requires a lot of trust. It um, requires that you, as, as a management and as a responsible person, you do your homework before because you need to be able to give a clear target and to set the right responsibility. And then you need this trust. But I think that's the, 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 second, the second part. Every time I go to one of those industry meetings, every time people talk about competitors, about other partners, it's very rare that you are getting in a, in a very diverse meeting. It's very much talking now from the lyrical perspective. Mm. People are most, most people I talk uh, with are specialized somehow in trade and business administration. So, and it's really rare that you have an engineer sitting at the other side of the meeting table or that you have a very creative person, maybe coming from the arts environment or something like this. So that's really rare. And I think this would boost our industry really much if we are getting more diversity. And there's also cultural diversity, gender diversity, age diversity. So it, every dimension of it adds some value. Do you think, and this is not just from your perspective, but in, in a wider wider perspective from your, from your experience of, of communicating with, with peers in the industry, do you think that younger generations like, like, uh, like yourself, you have enough of a voice in shaping the future of the industry, or it's still still controlled by these uh, you know, people in their perhaps you know, late late fifties, and that they are they are they are driving the business and not necessarily responding to to the needs of the younger generations. How, how do you feel about that? I, I think that that could be quite philosophical. Yes. In the end, the, the power of decision will probably stay with the owners of the company. They, they will probably not give it away. And I think that we cannot expect to, them to, to give it away. That's, that's okay, I think. I would, I would do a shout out to the younger generations. They need to step up. I, I mean, nobody brings you presents without asking for it and without maybe delivering some stuff. So, so I wouldn't necessarily only see the managers in, in the responsibility to do this and the owners and the big deciders. I also see the young, younger generation in, in a responsibility here. Um, I, can, I can draw the parallel to my own career. I was not asked to, to point at the elements going wrong and uh, looking for a solution. I just said, I, I would try it. So I will point at the stuff, go to my manager and uh, tell them, hey, I maybe got a solution to it. And then I need to be smart enough to argument and loud enough to, <laughs> to, 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 to give some voice to what I would like to do. And then obviously have a little bit of luck with the manager that's accepting it. Uh, but I think this responsibility is clearly also on the younger generation to help the other ones to, to understand how to improve and what to do and come up with concrete examples and concepts. And I think that will also ease the, the other sides, so if you want to put it like this, the, the management side of it, because if you have younger persons there, which are not just talking behind your back about what you do wrong, but actually tell it to, to your face and explain you how you can improve, then you have at least have the opportunity to accept it and, and go for some risk and say, okay, I'm, I'm taking this risk. I don't know what the person is talking about. I have no clue if this will work, yeah. but um, it was well argumented and, uh, and it should work. And I think that's very important that that younger people take yeah. this responsibility and experts doesn't need to be necessarily young people can also be experts in a, in a subject matter or whatever, um, take their voice, uh, tune it a bit up <laughs> and, and go ahead with uh, what mm -hmm. they can offer and what they can bring. And my experience is that the industry will, will pay back. So that's, that's something mm -hmm. that works really well, I think. Okay, good. So communication, being open-minded, those kind of things yep. are, are, are key.
to what extent do you communicate with your peers? I mean, I'm talking about your peers as in perhaps people in their their 20s and 30s within the industry. Is there a forum that you or group that you, you're able to bounce ideas off each other? Uh, when you're asking this question, it actually feels like uh, like you trapped me. <laughs> because with everything I, I, I said so far, uh, I, I should easily answer this question with a yes, right? But uh, the, the reality is I have to answer it with a no. Um, I would say the the cross-company exchange, the external exchange within the industry is, at least on my side, not given. And again, a shout out if uh, there is a group of people listen to, to what, we, what we do here and uh, maybe is already working in such an established group, glad to be invited, um, glad to maybe support to build it because I think that would, that would really help, right? If you bring together, regularly bring together a round of people, and again, it doesn't necessarily just need to be young people, but people in critical functions, couple of young people, matter experts, and give everybody a room to talk about their goals and targets and then find common space for it and stuff where we could work on together, that could be super good. And now I can maybe come up with a data example. (laughs) 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 I I, I think that's that's a good one Um, because um, if you're referring here to, to digital infrastructure being a critical element for the future, you need a common language, right? So... The, the reason why we can communicate together is both of us are talking English. You very good. Myself, okay-ish. <laughs> yeah, you're being very, very modest, very, very good. <laughs> Thank but, you. Uh... So, 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 so this is something that also yeah. needs to exist in the, in, the, in the digital environment. And for example, when it comes to product data and product data exchange and structure of data, we have a huge issue. And this can just be solved uh, with having those panels and having the experts talking about it, agreeing on certain patterns on mechanisms that can be applied across the, the industry. And I think that's a very good example. And you can maybe transfer it to another 2000 examples where it would help to align on some standards. And I think that happened in the past, right? So delivery standards have been agreed somehow. Product standards have been agreed somehow. So all of this worked in the past and it needs to, to work in future, I think, maybe even on a much more intense level and to have those peer groups could be super beneficial for it yeah yeah i know the boss federation in the uk have a leaders of the future group i think the isg group in the us have a have a group called the next committee i'm not aware of of similar things existing in other other countries certainly not in the the business products world i think there are some in the cleaning industry but perhaps i don't know perhaps opi has a role there to to act as a as a forum to to encourage uh, more more peer exchange in this respect. So I think, and that's a hint to OPI. I think uh, you're also doing such such <clears throat> such things and organizing such panels, and uh, maybe that could be a good opportunity. Okay, all right, Falco. I've really enjoyed our our talk. Uh, very interesting perspective, and uh, all, all the best in your in your endeavors and your your projects at Lyrico. Andy, thank you very much for for having me. Uh, I hope I could add some value and glad to come back and talk about data with you. I'm looking forward to that, he said with gritted teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Falco, listen, great. Thanks very much. Okay. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. 
Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk. Thank you.